Hey guys, Darren Bentley here. And before we get started, I wanted to make a special announcement. We have officially opened registration for the Private Money Conference, which is a three-day live event where you will learn directly from Jay and his team how to raise thousands of dollars in private money to fund all of your real estate deals. Now, in today's changing market, more and more people are losing out to other investors because most of those investors have the cash to fund these deals. Did you know that you are missing out on 87% of the real estate deals out there because you don't have access to private money? Sadly, most real estate investors don't even know this is the reason why they continue to lose deal after deal. And with everything that's happening in the market today, you absolutely need every advantage available to you. And having access to unlimited amounts of private money is your big advantage. So to register for this live event, head over to jconnor.com forward slash event. Again, that is jconnor.com, J-A-Y-C-O-N-N-E-R.com forward slash event, where you will be able to lock in your seat for this live in-person three-day event, which takes place June 12th, 13th, and the 14th in beautiful North Carolina. But you got to be fast because there are a limited number of seats, and when they are gone, they're gone. So again, to take advantage of this incredible event and to learn how to raise all the private money you'll ever need directly from Jay Connor and his team, head over to jayconnor.com forward slash event. Again, that is jayconnor.com, J-A-Y-C-O-N-N-E-R.com forward slash event. Now let's get into today's episode. So you just mentioned um, <clears throat> private equity. You, said, uh, you got private equity partners or private lenders lined up ready to go as to when you mm-hmm. need the cash. So that triggers this question. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, you know, through your own business and through your students, I mean, you've been exposed to thousands, I suppose, of, of self-storage possibilities or mm-hmm. deals to look at. What percentage, if you if you really had to nail it down, what percentage would you say owners of self-storage facilities will sell with seller financing versus what mm-hmm. percentage have you got to come up with the cash? Mm-hmm. You know, it's interesting, Jay. Um, a whole lot more than when I was looking at, at houses and apartments. And here's why, you know, typically with the houses and apartments of people that were offering it, they had to in order to sell it because they were backwards on it and they didn't have the value in it. Whereas in self-storage, it's really, it's the complete opposite. And that these owners, these mom and pop owners or developers, you know, they, they bought them years ago. They developed them from the ground up years ago. They paid them off. They paid them down. So they have zero basis or a very low basis, which means when it comes time to sell, they're going to have to pay capital gains taxes and they don't want to pay capital gains taxes. So we found that these folks are, are willing, you know, even before we would give them our prepared speech as to why they should sell <laughs> with seller financing, they would even say to us that, you know, we're willing to participate or finance a, a large portion of this, if not the majority, because we don't want to pay capital gains taxes. And so if I had to say a percentage, I'd say, you know, years ago, probably from 05 to 2012, there's probably more that we were looking at when we were buying a lot of the existing self-storage facilities and just because the valuations were a little bit higher. We saw more of them than we're seeing them today within the past few years, but that, that's going to happen again. Once again, when we head into a correction, these folks that are, that are now, it's time to exit and, and sell. That I, I'd say back during those years when we were buying a lot of existing facilities, 
probably anywhere from 30 to 40% of our deals had some form of, of seller participation in the deals. Less now, but again, when we head into a correction, when it's a little bit more difficult to get financing and these folks are, are wanting to sell without having to pick up against Texas, I think we'll be back at that number again. Right. So, you know, I live here in Moorhead City, North Carolina. Mm -hmm. Our entire county's got 65,000 people, small area, like in my buying and selling house business, my total target market's only 40,000 people. So here's my question. Mm -hmm. I'm brand new. I don't mm -hmm. know anything about self-storage, but mm -hmm. it's really intriguing. Well, yep. the first thing I need to do is come to your training for sure. But mm -hmm. if I'm brand new, Mm -hmm. how do I decide is my hometown an area that needs more self-storage or mm -hmm. should I, you know, should I be looking around, making some offers? In other words, how do you decide yeah. mm -hmm. where to invest in self-storage? Right. You know, the grass is always greener and everybody always wants to, you know, the question they ask me, okay, Scott, what markets are you investing in? You know, where's, where's the self-storage Oz where all the streets are paved with gold and there's, you know, low supply and a huge demand and rental rates rise every day. Well, the, the answer is you, you look in your backyard and you cast a net about a two-hour drive from your house. And then you begin pulling on doors, you know, creating relationships with the brokers, sending out mailers just in, you know, the yellow letters um, campaign, just like you're doing with houses or anything else, but targeting and buying lists of self-storage facility owners and then asking them those same questions. And then, you know, the good news is, I mean... You and I both know, Jay, there's so many people that want an, you know, an easy business and no business is easy. But the good news is with self-storage is that we do have a fairly simple, predictable business model that we can march on through and do our evaluation of a market and the facility to determine, you know, let's get to the true value of it. Uh, you know, make sure we're not overpaying for this, that we're getting a good deal on it, looking at all the income and the expenses and then applying a cap rate like we do with other forms of commercial real estate. But then now we dig into the market to find out whether it is um, undersupplied or oversupplied or at equilibrium. And, you know, if there's room, if there's growth, so that we know if we're, you know, if we're buying this facility at 60% occupancy because the mom and pop owners, they didn't have a website, they didn't market well, and they just didn't answer the door or the phone, you know, can we really take it to 85%? Well, if all the other facilities in a, in a three to five mile radius are at 90%, yeah, we can probably you know, increase that. If all the other facilities around it are also at 60%, well, we may not be able to move the needle on this one. And so, you know, it, those just, had, you know, painting a broad brush, you know, 30,000 foot, those are the things um, that we look at. But the good yeah, news what? is, Jay, is that our, our market is really only three to five miles. That's all the further that people travel in, in the self-storage, you know, in, to store their stuff. So we, we can dial that in pretty tight. Interesting. Well, I'm curious, <laughs> how do you find out what the occupancy rates are from the other self-storage companies. Yeah, well, that's a little more, uh, those, are, those are some of the trade secrets, but at the oh, end of the okay. day. <laughs> <laughs> I was going, you mentioned I was going to, how in the, because yeah. I, I doubt I'm going to be able to call them up and say, hey, what's your occupancy rate? Right, you know? yeah, it doesn't work that way. So a couple of ways we tried in the beginning, you know, I, I used to go in thinking I was savvy enough to secret shop them and try to get their occupancy, but you know what, they're, they're salespeople and they're not going to tell us that because for them, there's only, you know, what size do you need? 10 by 10. Well, we have one left, you better get it now. And they may have 20, you know, so how we do <laughs> So, you know, now I have the luxury of going in, you know, just with my business card and, and, and stating, hey, I'm doing a market study or, you know, we're looking to do this or we're shopping or, you know, we've, we've got a couple other lines that we use to be able to get to that. But in the beginning, you know, we, we would also just rent the cheapest unit, you know, which is a, a parking spot, you know, no, no metal around, no nothing for 30 bucks a month. And if you do that for three or four facilities, you know, within your competition, within four, four mile radius, within a day and $120. Oh, and then, and then you walk into the facility and you count the locks. 
you know, you walk around, you count, and you have, you know, the the most accurate up-to-date occupancy in the market in, you know, 120 bucks and a half a day. You know, so. Oh, my, you see, that's like the magician and the magic trick. It looks so complicated, but when you know the mm -hmm. answer, it's just downright right. simple. Yeah. <laughs> mm -hmm. yeah, exactly. I love it. Well, now, so I'm, as you know, Scott, in the mm -hmm. world of investing in single-family houses, the entire world uses the same formula when you're going to pay all cash Yep. Mm -hmm. after repaired value times Correct. 70 or 80 percent less yep. repairs equals mm -hmm. the, the famous maximum allowable offer mm -hmm. Mayo. so everybody <laughs> i mean if anybody's been around everybody mm -hmm. knows that my guess is the maximum that you can pay all cash for a self-storage facility is a little more involved and complicated than that formula mm -hmm. well it's still a very very simple answer and that answer is it depends how's that <laughs> <laughs> so you know it, it really does i mean we come to we really look at three sets of numbers you know commercial real estate is you know all the same and how we value it it's income minus expenses gives us a net operating income and then we apply a market cap rate to that capitalization rate which is you know, dictated by whether it's an A, B, or C class facility, and then, you know, what the other facilities like, you know, if it's a class C facility, what are the other class C facilities in the past year sold for, you know, what capitalization rate? So that's what we use. So from that standpoint, you know, we can kind of dial that in. But when you say, what is the maximum? Well, then there's the intrinsic value. You know, if, if I have to bring in private equity and make returns for my investors, well, there's got to be a significant upside to this. So that's the second and the third set of numbers. What's it going to look like in a year from now? And what's it going to look like in three or five years from now when I create the maximum value in it and then sell? And what's that pot of money look like? Or if I'm just going to buy it and hold it for myself and it's a turnkey investment for me that is, you know, makes me feel better to have bricks and mortar and an alternative to the stock market. And I'm fine with um, just, you know, rolling right along with some modest increases and I buy it at a, at a six or seven percent cap rate and I'm good with that. Put a management company in place. Well, that's, you know, that that's different. So. It just depends upon the, again, the intrinsic value of the, the promoter or syndicator versus the individual uh, owner. And we're going to have uh, different uh, places. You know, I need, a, I need a 2X or higher multiple, you know, returns. So I got to take it from here to here. Somebody who's just buying it and, and holding on and just, you know, going, they just need to go from here to here over 20 years. You know, they're going to be looking at a different uh, type of property and where I may pass, they may gobble that up in a heartbeat and vice versa. So it sounds like you're saying that the amount that you are willing to offer and pay for an existing self-storage facility, part of that depends on your exit strategy, right? Yeah, it, it depends solely on that. You know, we, we look at everything in, in five-year increments and, and we're really investing based upon, you know, economic cycles. So, which is usually seven to 10 years, you know, now granted we're in an anomaly right now. This is the longest stretch that we've had of a growth. It's going, you know, beyond 10 years, but you know, we always, the valuation that we have that the capitalization rate is tied to the interest rates. So when interest rates are low, cap rates are low, which means that we're, we're selling it at, you know, this is a seller's market for us right now where we are. So if I'm looking at an investment right now, that's a three-year, you know, when we're looking to sell, you know, I, I need to realize that we're probably going to be in a higher interest rate environment, which means that I'm not going to get as much money for that facility if I have to sell it in three years to appease my investors. Or if we set up a three-year, you know, private placement or a syndication, so, you know, we look at each individual project based upon and, and look at the exit strategy and then do our best, you know, get off the crystal ball, shine it up as much as we can and say, here's, you know, at this time, the interest rate should be here. Our exit cap rate should be about here. And here's our projected value. And so that, you know, that's how we base, you know, what we pay for and, and whether we're going to embark upon a project and, and ultimately what our projections are and the returns to ourselves and to our investors. Does that make sense? That does make sense. 
I can't believe how fast our time is going by. So I got time for mm -hmm. one more question mm -hmm. that, that you don't have to rush to answer, but what would you, what would you define as a good deal? In other words, mm -hmm. how do you, in other words, what's a good deal look like? I yeah. mean, like I know what a good deal in yeah. a flip in a, in a single family house flip looks like, but what's a good deal in self storage look like? Yeah. Let, let me start by saying the opposite of that is a deal. That's just a turnkey. In my opinion, I think that's where so many investors get in trouble is that they'll pay uh, maybe not the top of the market, but yeah, the top of the market. And then just right at where the value is. And the thing is already maxed out, you know, that the rent it's, occupancy is 90% and above they're at the market rate in terms of rent. They really can't go up anymore. You know, they're, they're doing truck rentals, selling locks, boxes and moving supplies. I mean, it's truly turnkey in every sense. And it is already, the value is already built into it. And it's just kind of humming right along. Well, during a, you know, a recession and things change in the marketplace, you know, that can do nothing but go down. So I think to answer your question in a different way, that's, that's what not to buy. And so I think a, a good deal is one that's going to weather those downturns in the economy. So you're, you're buying it, you know, uh, just like any other investment, including stocks, you know, you make your money when you come into it. So you, you don't overpay for it. You buy it at, at maybe a market value based on the, the current net operating income, but that's, that's because it's only 75% occupied and you can take it to 80, 85 and you build in that buffer, or you've got room to expand and build more buildings because you, this facility and the others are all at 90%, 95% occupancy, and you've got an extra acre you can build more buildings on. You know, those that it has to have some value add component to it that not only a will weather a recession so that you can immediately jump in and create value so you'll be safe, you know, and in turn, you know, if the financing terms you know, change and you have to refi. And then B, you know, we have, I don't know, I don't know any reason why not to invest in real estate unless you're going to, you know, create value anyways and take it from here to here, you know, that, that, that here to here, that delta is going to be different for everybody, but there just has to be a value add component to it somehow, some way. So, I know that's kind of a gray and, and vague way of answering what is a good deal, but I think it's anything that just has a value-add component that will weather any changes in a refinance or, or what may happen during an economy that heads into a downturn. Perfect. Well, there you have it, my friends. Scott Myers, the definitive expert on self-storage facilities and how to minimize the risk and how to create the wealth and freedom that you really want. So Scott, before we started the show, you tell me you've got some free training at your website, right? We do. We do. Yeah. For all things that uh, we do in terms of uh, training, uh, you can head on over to selfstorageinvesting.com. You can pull down some free videos, some other resources. We've got some white papers and of course, a lot of articles and things, but we do have some kind of steps, six steps to get you going in the business just to see if this is something that's uh, interesting uh, uh, to you. That's awesome. Scott, my friend, thank you so much for taking the time mm -hmm. to be with us today. My pleasure, Jay. Thanks so much for having me. Good to see you again. All right, folks. Thank you for joining in on another episode of Real Estate Investing with Jay Connor. Look forward to seeing you on the next show. I'm Jay Connor, the Private Money Authority, wishing you all the best. And here from this show is to take your business to the next level. Bye for now.